Hello. This is Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. I'm Tim Bousquet, editor of the Halifax Examiner, which is online at halifaxexaminer.ca. In the studio with me today is Rebecca Thomas, Halifax's Poet Laureate. Hello. Hello. Hi. This is your second appearance on Examiner Radio. Yes, I'm so fancy. <laughs> You're filling in for our now regular producer, Tara Tailleur, uh, who's out of town, uh, I think in Montreal, but uh, she'll be back next week. Uh, thanks for for uh, coming in and filling in for her. Thanks for asking. How you been? I've been all right. I have uh, health-wise, I'm feeling a little, you know, spring, summer, early fall cold coming on. It's that time. It's all those new students <laughs> touch things, and then you touch the things that they touch. But you know, yeah. Um, people always know you as the poet laureate, but uh, you have a, an actual like day job. Yeah, <laughs> a, a pay the bills job. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, I am a student services advisor and indigenous supports at uh, NSCC. Uh, Ivany campus. <laughs> we will talk about that shortly. Uh, Great. Can't wait. <laughs> first, though, I uh, uh, I have to say these things that uh, are on my computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is episode number 126 of Examiner Radio. And as always, you can listen to the show on CKDU, which is 88.1 FM radio in Halifax. And that plays on Fridays at 4.30 p.m. Or you can listen to the show via CKDU's website, which is ckdu.ca. Now I'll turn this to you, and you read this paragraph. All right. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and any other place you find podcasts. Subscribe to the Examiner Radio podcast and have each new episode automatically delivered to your device of choice. Just search for Halifax Examiner in that platform search engine, and it'll be the first result. Very good. It's like you've practiced speaking in public before. Yeah, a little, a little practiced. <laughs> uh, uh, today we will be speaking with Jason McLean, who is um, president of the Nova Scotia Government and General Employees Union. The NSGU, NSGEU is the largest union in the province and represents about 30,000 workers. Um Suddenly, they've this week they've had a contract imposed on them. Uh, Tuesday, the uh, uh, McNeil cabinet met uh, uh, suddenly and proclaimed Bill One Forty Eight forcing a contract on on uh, all government workers. Um, you're probably in. Yeah, I'm in uh, the NSTU professional support. And uh, you've the teachers have mm-hmm. had a contract forced on them, but you have not? Not yet. Um, it kind of goes in steps. So there's the teachers, then they'll do faculty, um, you know, at the college, and then they'll do professional support after that. Okay. Yeah. So what are you, what are you expecting? Um, I'm expecting to be told what my contract is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, <laughs> no big raises. I don't imagine so. Yeah. Um, I really don't. Uh, so it, really your salary will go down effectively. Um, I hope not. I hope at least that I can bring in the same amount of money. Maybe that's why I should uh, see if I can make this poet laureate thing a, a recurring feature. It's not a paying gig, is it? Uh, no, it's a, you get an honorarium over two years, um, and then you become the you, you know, the hustles on, right? 
you're yeah, speaking gigs. And I, you it's a great platform for your yeah, to get your work out. Exactly. There. And if you can get people to to pay you or give you honorariums and, and things like that, then that becomes your salary. So you you um, as a poet, as poet laureate, you get as much money as you can hustle. So what what do you do? What what does your poet laureate job look like? What do you, what do you have to do? I do a lot of keynotes. I've done lots of traveling across Canada um, for that sort of stuff, and I use it very much as a, as a platform about Indigenous perspective, Indigenous rights, contemporary um, Indigenous worldview, and and how that overlaps with um, Canadian society as of right now. And it's been a very fantastic and interesting um, tenure thus far because you've had Canada one hundred and fifty. Um, you have uh, the Halifax explosion, which is coming up, which mm-hmm. there's there's no mention really of Turtle Grove, of the Miyagamas settlement that was wiped out during that explosion. You know, I, I must say, I had a family member in town visiting um, last week, and, and I took her uh, to the uh, Maritime Museum. Mm-hmm. And since the last time I've been there, they've added an, an entire indigenous component to Fantastic. the explosion exhi- uh, exhibit. When was this uh, now? Uh, well, it's there now. Yeah. Uh, so I I went there two weeks ago, and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's it's good. It's it's progress. There's all of those new, um, um, not memorials, but monuments, I guess, that they're putting around the city, right, for the Halifax explosion. Yeah. Um And and there there's going to have French in, on them, uh, English on them, and Mi'kmaq on them with some petroglyphs, which I think are great. Um, but I don't think any of them are going to be actually where Turtle Grove was. Um, so there's so. right, and that site out there is uh, it's just been uh, bulldozed. Yeah. You know, um, it it actually looks kind of cool right now. You know, when I go over the McKay Bridge and look down, there's like all these interesting landforms that I had never noticed before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's maybe we should go out there and hike it sometime. I don't know if you're allowed to get past like the Shannon Park police. <laughs> I think you get you can get thrown out. <laughs> and that's we'll never see stopped what we me can before. Do. Yeah. yeah. It's making a lot of territory. It's all unseated, right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, so long as you're with card. me. Because <laughs> that's a really good indicator of somebody's indigeneity, the Indian Act. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, look, uh, <laughs> this is normally where we do We Can Review. There's not a lot going on this week, uh, news-wise. Um or, you know, you can go to the Halifax Examiner and read a few stories. We've, we've done some things. But I guess the 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 item I've got the, mm. the most response to is the when I wrote about uh, Ray Ivany's name being put on your campus. Yes. What a great position for me to be in to speak <laughs> on this topic. Um, um, so we should clarify that you're speaking as a poet lawyer. Yes. As and, a, yeah, as a Mi'kmaq person. And not as an employee of... The NSCC. Yeah, I think um, I recognize that something like that is a huge honor, right? Anybody who gets something named after them, like that's a that's a big honor, you know, to have earned something like that or to have a perceived earning of something like that. And so, it's it's significant, certainly. Um, I just think that, especially the fact that it's on Mauiomi Place, right? That's the name of the driveway that leads into the campus, and that means gathering space um, in Mi'kmaq. And and so we have a building um, that is named after a non-native person um, on gathering place, in our now, gathering place. Right. Now, it's my understanding I, I don't claim to be a historian and, and well-versed in these issues, but I, I have read that uh, there was a military um, fortification, British fortification built uh, uh, early on about where the refinery is, and that area, pe- 
people were living there, indigenous yeah. people, and and this is what w- caused the you know the the basic first battles between mm-hmm. you know and and um, sort of the Cornwallis apologists say, well, they attacked us in Dartmouth, and yeah, but uh, it's still you're coming into my house and I defend myself, yeah. and all of a sudden I'm the bad guy. And right? it, it's interesting that it's right there at the the side of the campus, though. Yeah, well, that that I'm not. I can't verify that for sure, but again, it's that it's that piece of of, of this is this is Mi'kmaq um, territory, and and you know at the the ceremony there was no land acknowledgement. Um, they do land acknowledgements at all the convocations. Uh, at, you mean at the ceremony where they announced the, yeah, uh, where they announced the Ivany yeah. campus name? And there was no and there was no um, land acknowledgement. I found that to be a little bit hurtful. Um, well, more than just a little bit hurtful, especially because they they make it. Um, practice to do it at all the convocations. They do it in front of thousands of people um, every every spring, and to not do it at what is perceived to be a very significant event um, is is really truly unfortunate. Especially when you know people constantly say, "Well, we're committed to reconciliation," right? And and in that building, the Mi'kmaq flag actually hanged like hangs right above where they did the announcement. And huh. so for me, that that makes me a, a little bitter. I can recognize that yes, it's a huge honor and, and all that sort of stuff. And and he was certainly a, a integral component for getting all that money to build that campus but still you have to remember in the large context of things and in the story that that campus exists on a place where Mi'kmaq people lived and died and were killed and that doesn't even get acknowledged right that that campus is still on unceded territory on Maui place gathering place and they have a gathering and they don't acknowledge where they are and that's a tough pill to swallow as an indigenous person watching that unfold. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's move on. Sure. Um, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll speak with Jason McLean, who's the president of the NSGEU. You're listening to Examiner Radio. Joined in the studio by Jason McLean, who is president of the Nova Scotia Government and General Employees Union, NSGEU. Hello. Hello. How you doing, Tim? Very good. I know you're quite busy right now, so oh. I appreciate your time. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And Rebecca Thomas has uh, stayed in uh, to join this conversation because uh, you are um, a union member. I am. Uh, NSTU. Yeah, uh, and we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, Jason, these are heady times. Yes, it is. It's uh, it's uh, the time of uh, the reckoning of Stephen McNeil. Yeah, let's let's do a little background. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are president of the union. Now, yes. the union is 75,000 people or so? No, NSGEU is roughly 30,000 okay. people. Okay, who do you represent exactly? Oh, my goodness, I represent correctional officers, uh, NSLC workers, NSCC staff, uh, support staff, uh, multiple school boards like Chignecto uh-huh. and uh, Annapolis Valley and HRM, uh, as well as uh, civil servants, 8,000 civil servants across the province, anywhere from uh, Department of Mo- uh, 
Department of Natural Resources to Community Services to Access Nova Scotia, um, as well as various home support locals. Uh, all the hospitals on the peninsula of Halifax, uh, we have members. Uh, uh, that'd be nurses, healthcare, uh, admin support, and uh, admin professionals, and uh, support workers as well. Okay, so that seventy-five thousand figure that includes uh, people represented by other unions. That would be people from NSTU, uh, QP, SEIU, okay. Unifor, uh-huh. all under the umbrella of the Federation of okay. Labor, and and then also there's uh, tradespeople as well from uh, building trades and whatnot, but uh, but they're not members of the uh, right. Okay, so you Federation. you represent uh, you're the largest public employee union by far. Absolutely, yes. Uh, and just to give your background, you're you're a prison guard. I'm a correctional officer. In you know the, the in Sydney is, that, is yes, that right? born and raised Sydney, Whitney uh-huh. Pear. And, and uh, I worked at Cape Breton Correctional Facility uh, for 21 years, and uh, the better part of another year in uh, Amherst when I started my career. Right, and uh, you were VP of the union for as long as I can remember, but uh, then uh, since 2005, uh, yes, and, and Joan Jessam. Uh, uh, Retired, I guess, uh, and you stepped up to take her place as president. Yes. And that was about a year ago? Two Mays ago, yes. May of 2016. Okay. A year before that, I'm sorry about all this history, but it, it, I think it's important. A year okay. before that was when the contract, the last contract ended. You you folks have been working without a contract for over two years now. Yes, we have. Over over two over two and a half years, I believe. Yeah, so. March, March 31st. So, yes. Yeah. 15. Yeah. Now, the McNeil government uh, elected and then reelected on a platform of coming after the unions. I I believe so. But he he was, uh, I think, selective. And when he went to the uh, polls, he went to the polls when students were gone away and uh, people were generally disinterested at that moment because uh, the long weekends were hitting the uh, in May and people just were not interested in the issues that were there. Um, now, Re- Rebecca, the reason why I asked you to stay in is um, uh, the teachers' union um, kind of – is this fair to say that the, the NSGEU was more or less resigned to the fact that this contract was going to be forced on the union and the teachers union were the ones who unexpectedly made this a political hot potato. Is that fair? You'd be correct in saying that. Yes. That is fair to say that. I was on the bargaining team. Well, it becomes interesting because with my part in it, we're professional support. So we are without a contract still and we we haven't gone through it all. But to see how um, the teachers have gone through and and how – it progressed. Um, it, it becomes a very interesting position when you're in the NSTU and you don't have a contract yet uh-huh. and all of this stuff is coming through. So, you know, we've pretty, you know, at least for myself, I've you know, resigned myself a little bit for what comes, I guess, is what we have to take. The teachers union, teachers were always considered the easy union. They, they were the ones that uh, just took whatever was handed to them. Um, and the teachers themselves actually kind of had a, a bit of a revolt within the in the union, did you see that? Now that wasn't something that I that I had seen um, because I'm I'm not within the high school system or the the yeah. you know elementary school or middle schools or anything like that. So um, you know, there's different kind of like sections within it, and there's the the kind of the provincial NSCC stuff, and there's um, the professional support, and then there's like the teachers that are within the school boards, right? Um, so ours is still 
outstanding. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. But I remember standing in line when uh, to go see um, Trudeau when he came by and seeing all the teachers yeah. marching around those lines and around the sportsplex, and that was that was pretty fierce. It's powerful, isn't it? Absolutely. And I have a lot of good friends of mine are teachers, and and you see them, you know, foster some really great um, youth poets that come up, and then I can get to grab onto them when they come into the you know my <laughs> scene, and so I, I respect the work that they do so so much. Three times the teachers rejected the union, and in February this year, the McNeil government forced the contract on them. And you guys at NSGEU saw that coming to you. Is that right? Well, I mean, they, they came with it, but they came, they came with it in, a, in the wrong way. I didn't necessarily see them coming back with Bill 75 because they came out with it. And Bill 75 was the, the, the bill that forced the contract on teachers. Yes, yeah. my apologies. And when they come with Bill 75, they locked out the students, which I thought was disastrous for, yeah. for the government. So I didn't, think, I didn't see them coming back with that bill. So I was surprised that they came back with that. I thought they might proclaim Bill, bill 148 on them. Let, let's explain 148. Uh, that was passed two years ago in 2015, but not proclaimed. Yes, uh, they passed it, I believe it was in December of yeah. 2015. And if you don't mind, I could walk you through the history sure. of mm-hmm. NSGU with that because I was on the bargaining team at that time uh-huh. as well. So we were we were bargaining. We bargained, I believe it was in November. And uh, we were somewhat puzzled as to what was going on uh, with the government. Uh, we thought we were doing, you know, good work because we tabled a package to the government stating that you know, we didn't want 3% and 6% and 7% or whatever. We we just said we would have uh, CPI or so GDP, uh, whichever was greater. That's what we we're looking for, only what the province can afford. Uh, then we heard word, and this was through back channels because there's always back channels running when there's somebody at the table, uh, that they were coming with a bill. And we believed that they were coming with a bill to remove our job security language. We were fearful of losing that language because it's something that uh, we worked hard for. It's an MOA outside the collective agreement, and uh, it's something that we believe that they wanted to strike down. And, and what is that exactly? Uh, memorandum of agreement. No, what, what is the job? What is the provision that? that uh, well, it's quite complicated. It, it, I shouldn't say complicated. It's quite technical. Okay. But but basically, it, it sets parameters if you were to lay somebody off uh, about. Recall okay. and layoff and stuff like that and bumping if okay. there needs to be bumping okay. or finding a job for mm-hmm. somebody. Gotcha. But it's quite technical and it and it's uh, it's something that we're quite proud that we got in the collective agreement because it, it just sets out it, it gives peace of mind to those that are going to work because their job is safe and it's one of the best pieces of language I believe in the country. So. We were fearful that that was going, so we reluctantly, and I say under duress, uh, came with uh, a tentative agreement. So basically what government said is, agree to this, or what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and uh, put a bill out there to take provisions away from you, right? Right. So we reluctantly accepted that first deal. And uh, we were recommending acceptance to our membership, but we didn't get out to our membership. Two days later, I think they, uh, the teachers came down with their vote where where uh, they – the teacher – actually, the teachers rejected their, right. their first deal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, hey, when you look back at those two deals, oh, my goodness. They, they were so – 
terrible. But the teachers rejected it, and uh, we were like, bravo, way to go, teachers, because we were believing the teachers were going to take it, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why we were so resigned. Just everything that was going on around us, that's where we were. Then uh, we started feeling emboldened by you, the teachers. You got like a united front. Mm-hmm. Us up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, way to go, teachers, and we're, and we're just with them. And uh, so what ended up happening was, t- I think, a couple days later or the day later, that's when they came with Bill 148. And we seen Bill 148 as different than we thought it was going to be. And not only that, the only difference between Bill 148 and the deal we took was Bill 148 would set, uh, it would still take away the public service award, but it would take it away and give you the wages as, as of uh, 2015. So two years ago. For your ago. public service award for two years ago, right? now With, with 0% increases after that. Yes, it was still the increases, 0, 0, 001 and 1.5, and at the end of the fourth year, 0.5. So effectively a wage cut. Oh, yes. Because yes. that doesn't remotely keep up with inflation. Yes, but I, I want to put you into my membership's uh, mindset then. We've seen that. And reluctantly, our, our bargaining unit negotiating council, the broader council, was going to they, – they endorsed what we wanted them to do to, to bring it back to a vote to the members to accept it until we seen Bill 148 and seen it was essentially no different. Uh, the, only, the only difference was if we retire today, we would get our public service award back to 2015, but at today's wages. Right. Which coincidentally is the same wage right now. But, but regardless of that uh, – that's when we went back to the Bergen Union Negotiating Council and changed recommendation. Uh, our recommendation yeah. to one of rejection. I see. And then a year goes by. Uh, I'm president then. Not a year, but, you know, eight yeah. months. And uh, we go around the province talking to our members, and then we ultimately say we ultimately have our vote, and we voted overwhelmingly to reject. And now here we are today. Yeah. Because we haven't had any fruitful bargaining since because they've never moved off their uh, – and their position. I guess about two weeks ago, you you said you wanted ar- arbitration. Yes, and that's what. Well, we said that back in May. We said that back in May. We brought. Uh, we went to conciliation. Two days of conciliation. We regressed in conciliation. We felt, and uh, there was nowhere else to go. So uh, what we did was went to our members, and our member. We had a vote amongst our members again. We're, <laughs> we yeah. feel we're democratic. We're we're going to yeah. talk to our members, and they're going to tell me what a direction we need to go. Uh, so what happened was they voted and we are, we were moving down the road to go to arbitration. Uh, the employer opposed it. And then we set a hearing with the labor board to put our case forward as to why we want to move into, uh, arbitration. So we were coming up to that date. The employer was approaching us saying that they wanted to go to, uh, that they wanted to go to those days in the conciliation instead of going into a hearing to see if we can go to arbitration. And what I told them was, if if we go there and the table breaks down, then you need to be able to tell us yeah. that you won't oppose us. That's what they said to us. We got we went to the labor board. They said it in front of the labor board at a hearing. And uh, we said, okay, let's go to conciliation. So we went to conciliation. That table broke down. And now here we are today moving on to arbitration. You – um. You were surprised by uh, the proclamation. I sure was. I got I got an email forty five minutes before cabinet meeting. Hey, we we got a cabinet meeting. Yeah, yeah, that was a cowardly way to do it. Actually, I met with uh, I went, met with Mark Fury last week. Uh, sorry, I don't have the date for radio. Uh, hmm. 
anyway, I met with him last week, and when we left the meeting, it was a cordial meeting. Uh, I, I let him know where we stood, and uh, he took it all in. He didn't seem to be well-versed on the labor situation. It seems like he was looking to learn. Anyway, uh, I asked him one thing. I said, you know, if you're going to proclaim Bill 148, do it sooner than later, please. And uh, if you are going to do it, how about giving me a heads up, to which he agreed as well. Uh, so he called me five minutes before the, the uh, during the embargoed meeting yeah. and called me and, and said, uh, basically he told me, uh, so I guess you've seen the CBC report now, mind you, I'm <laughs> with my family in Shetty camp, uh, Camping, right? <laughs> uh, and I get a call from a reporter first thing in the board and uh, saying, telling me what was going on. And I was like, that's very interesting. He said, I didn't hear anything from government, right? And uh, then, as I said, he called me five minutes before, and I said, so what's going on? Are you going to proclaim Bill 148? And he's like, well, you know, we can't talk about that right now. So he wouldn't even tell me then that they were doing it because he said, I'm in an embargoed meeting, right? If they can impose these sorts of bills that can strip away rights, then, then, then like – as a union member, it gets kind of nerve-wracking and say, well, what, what, what's the point? And I don't ever want to say that, but it's, like, right. it's kind of like, what's the point? If, if the government say, mm, no, this isn't working, so we're just going to make you do this, then, then, then what's the point? I think, I think it's a lot more deep than that, yeah. right? I mean, there, there's always nuances to things. And, and I mean, just to be general, I think it does a disservice to things. Like people are like, ah, oh, well, I'm just throwing my hands out. What can we do? Well, there's many things we can do. Right now, what I'm doing is um, – I'm talking to as many people as I can to tell people that Steve McNeil and his cohorts are liars mm-hmm. and they're deceitful and that they're, they, they're not honorable people. They've shown that with their doublespeak over the last uh, few years. And it, people just – I just need to call it for what it is. I have the proof that they have. So I have no – I'm not worried about any slander charges or anything like that mm-hmm. because you have receipts. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. You, <laughs> you, uh, you, you called it the actions of a snake. Mm. That's that, oh, that almost you, seems like, tame by what you just said. Would, but <laughs> would you would you like an example? Sure. Of that. Yeah. Okay. So you've seen Stephen McNeil, you know, parading himself around, proud as a peacock, uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. And uh, talking to every media outlet that he could, and he's telling. Then he's on with Steve Murphy, hammering away to Steve Murphy three times. Let me be clear: I took away that transition allowance, which was an outright lie. I have the booklet here on page twenty-two. There's a transition allowance that that they still get. If he was to retire today, he would get a transition allowance of eighty-nine thousand dollars, right? But let's move another step forward. We're taking Bill 148, Stephen McNeil says. We're taking it, and we're taking it to uh, to the Court of Appeal. Yeah. And we're going to show that it's constitutional. We're taking Bill 148. Uh, He's not taking Bill 148. He's, He's taking, taking pieces of, of yeah. Bill 148 that we're not refuting. I, I've said repeatedly, Tim, that we're not against or we're not even crying about the wage restraint piece. That's what he's bringing. Yeah. What the issue we have is reaching into the collective agreement, which is Section 20. You reported on it this morning, actually. Yeah. Uh, so Section 20 is – what we say is if you reach in a collective agreement and you take out a provision out of the collective agreement that was freely bargained uh, by prior bargaining teams, prior premiers or whatever, signed off and everything else, and you're going to reach in and you're going to take out that provision, that goes against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. That's what we'll be fighting 
And that's where we want to go. So he's leading everybody to believe that we're going there. And we're going to challenge that. Well, it was uncovered by by yourself today and another Mm -hmm. reporter. And uh, so you tell me. I'll ask you because uh, I believe you know. Tell me, are those not actions of a snake? (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely – Definitely fork-tongued in certain ways. Ooh, ooh. I am the poet. <laughs> you are. <laughs> um, you know, just one of the things. Like, I mean, I, you, you think of like uh, like our seven sacred teachings, and like we have like honesty, humility, patience. You know, so many of those things when it comes to making decisions. When you're thinking not about this generation, not about the next generation, but seven generations ahead. You know, is he thinking seven generations ahead? Are we operating in a way that's thinking seven generations ahead? And, and when you follow those teachings, especially things like humility and honesty, those things become very important to me and if you don't necessarily live by those rules then it becomes very um tough to swallow perhaps or, or to support or to get behind well know? and and my teachings have been 21 years in a correctional facility mm-hmm. and your reputation precedes you mm-hmm. and if you're not forthright and honest even though you have to come with a answer that's difficult to people mm-hmm. if you don't have that you're not surviving in that and as, as a matter of fact you're at risk being in that in, in that environment and i pride myself on my integrity and mm-hmm. uh, that's why somebody like steve mcneil frustrates the hell out of me you uh must have been anticipating this so uh regardless that they've asked just for review a part of the uh, part of the act um I'm sure your lawyers are keyed up to uh, file suit uh, involving the entire act. Uh, So what happens now? Well, what was happening was we were just going to apply for intervener status and have our say as to why it's not constitutional. Now the the Court of Appeals, as it stands today, because I'm putting much pressure on the premier and I'm asking everybody that listens to this show to reach out to your MLA and tell them that they need to compel the premier to bring the whole bill forward to the Court of Appeals and finally, for once, be honorable. And so, I'm going to so, continue. So just to that. be clear, is this a, a matter of, okay, the government, the council, McNeil's cabinet uh, has asked the Court of Appeal for this decision, uh, whereas you folks have to start at a lower court to get to that level. Is, am, am, I, am I seeing what the problem here is? But, he asked for a question to be answered. Yeah. Right? And if he asked for the whole bill to be answered, that's fine. That is a more that is an expedited process as opposed to actually going to court. So he's asking them to take a look at this and say is this constitutional? Right? And he's bragging about it, but he's not asking the parts that are not that so it's uh, it's not as if your lawyers will be able to present arguments to not judges not in or, the way that he's presenting it yeah, now. He right. set it up that way. Right. I mean, it, it's hard to win the game when it's rigged, right? And that's yeah. that's what he's done here. Mm-hmm. So uh, what we're doing is we're we're meeting. Actually, I'm meeting with the rest of labor because we were teaming up with this, right? Uh, meeting with the rest of labor on Monday, at least the healthcare unions. And we're talking about moving forward. I already have a, a commitment from Janet Hazelton and the nurses union, that, and uh, I'm waiting for commitment from the others. But at least two unions are going to be going forward with a challenge as it stands right now. Uh, it's much cheaper if everybody goes forward instead of everybody fighting individually. And I believe it's much stronger because you've got other more provinces, cases. other unions, and other provinces have succeeded on these fronts, but it's taken many years. Many years, at least six. But that's the thing. Stephen McNeil could have an answer to this during his mandate. 
and he refuses to do that. So he needs to be pressured into doing this. I mean, again, actions of a what? Right. So uh, that's where we're at right now with uh, with Steve McNeil. And uh, I'm telling you, I will not let up. I won't stop. I could talk to you all day long, but we are um, pushing it on the time here. So so I'll just leave it there. Um, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you yeah. very much. I've, I've been speaking with Jason McLean, who is the president of the Nova Scotia Government and General Employees Union. Uh, also, Rebecca Thomas has joined us for that conversation mm-hmm. as well. Um, we'll return after this, and you're listening to Examiner Radio. We requested an interview with Labor Minister Mark Fury, but uh, he didn't get back to us, and we didn't get the opportunity for that interview. Um, We're always open to it. That's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast produced by the Halifax Examiner. I'm Tim Bousquet. I'm Rebecca Thomas. As always, we'd love to know what you think. Send an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca. Also, let us know if you have any story suggestions for future episodes. And uh, once again, thanks to uh, Mark Penio for uh, producing and taking this episode. And thanks to Rebecca Thomas for sitting in. It's always great to see you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, while you're there, uh, emailing us at podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca, go over a tab or two and please subscribe to the examiner. We'll see you next week.